Welcome to this edition. My name is Simba. Today we are in South Africa. We are speaking with the supply chain doctor. She is a fellow of the Institute of Procurement, CIPS, and holds a PhD in the supply chain field. Let's hear from the lady who did not know about procurement when she started and has become a beacon, an advocate, a champion for the procurement profession. I will let her introduce herself and tell us a bit about her career and how she started. Welcome, Ayanda. Thank you, Simba. Just a little bit about myself, where it all started. I've been in the, the supply chain space for over 20 years. It started as a consultant, a newbie, working within what was then called Black Economic Empowerment within a supply chain uh, section. And there I was working as a trainer, a facilitator, and also identifying areas that could assist in bringing in new entrants into the market, different sectors and in different roles. Interestingly enough, having found that opportunity, it started where I had no idea anything about procurement but I just had a passion about economic empowerment and empowering people. And that's where it all began, where I then got to understand a little bit about what is procurement, because I needed to understand it so that I could then facilitate it and bring in new entrants into the market. Well, what have you been up to since the very beginning and now look at where we are? Uh, today, what has been happening ever since? So from those beginnings, I then moved into pure procurement, where I have worked in different industries, specifically in procurement. So I've worked within the telecommunications industry. I've also worked within the banking sector, mining, manufacturing, and both in state-owned and private institutions. And what I used to do in these different areas was really focusing in aspects of strategic sourcing, uh, procurement, negotiations of different uh, sectors and different uh, industries. And then taking it further in terms of now overlooking bigger supply chains. So then I would then and then look at the whole value chain of whatever product um, or service that I was looking at and it brought it into a much uh, rounder, brought it into a much rounder experience within supply chain overall. Well, what about a trading and education? What sort of training and education did you have to be able to, to, you know, to go into different industries and, you know, look at a value chain? I think one needs to be knowing something to be able to to go in and understand what is happening. So that's a very interesting journey and story for me. So I had a, a Bachelor of Arts degree when I first started. And 
within the, as I said, economic empowerment area and specialist procurement. And my journey has been that once I had that Bachelor of Arts, I then said to myself, I wanted to then move and, and get more business knowledge because one of the things I've seen within procurement, you need to understand the business that you are procuring for. And that's the overall organization. So then I pursued a, an MBA, a, well, a Master's in Business Leadership, actually, so that I could begin to understand what makes businesses tick. Because as a procurement uh, person, you are really at the heart of the business and you need to understand what makes a business tick. Having obtained that um, Master's in Business Leadership, I then looked in terms of what could I do for the profession in terms of understanding procurement specifically. And that's when I was then introduced to SIPS and pursued a, a, the qualification of an MSIPS with the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply. Now, for me, one of the secret things I love doing is, is learning and, and understanding what I do to the core. So I then combined that MBL that I had and the MSIPS that I, I had then obtained and opted to then take it further. And I said to myself, I want to understand this, this animal called supply chain. And what concerned me a lot was that oftentimes you have people who are in the space, but perhaps do not have the training and the qualification. in. The and so I then decided to specialize further and get a doctorate in business leadership, where I then focused on supply chain, uh, as, as well as elements of service quality and furthering my MSIPs to become a fellow uh, with the, the Chartered Institute of uh, Procurement and Supply. So that is where my education journey in supply chain ended in terms of this looking at uh, a doctorate as well as being a fellow within MSIPs. But I guess I shouldn't say it's ended because I continue to try and learn and research and understand the industry that all in love with. Your story is quite interesting because it, it, it comes back to the basics of you have to go out in, in, and achieve it. So a person who has accumulated so much knowledge and become a fool in an area, uh, I just have to ask that question. Do you teach anyone? Yes, Simba. So my passion is empowerment. And training and facilitating is one of those aspects of empowering people. So I am also a lecturer. I lecture within various business schools. And I lecture as also in the aspects of procurement, supply chain overall, sourcing, operations management. So I lecture students. I also then supervise students who are looking to attain their master's qualifications, as well as facilitating various interventions. So recently I facilitated an intervention on contracts management and also understanding in terms of the, when you talk about the contracts management cycle, how does it put into your organization, as well as also doing some interventions and negotiations. So yes, I train, I lecture, I facilitate. I also speak in, at different uh, conferences on in an effort to share knowledge 
because that's very important to me is that one to advocate for procurement and supply chain so people understand what we do how we do what we do and also bringing in more people into that fold so that they can also become advocates uh, going forward and then my final aspect that I always try and look for is to bring in more women so do you tell me there's a room full of women who want to move into procurement I'm there in a flash so that they can be when I move into organizations and I say that I'm in supply chain and, and also if I say if I tell them that I have a doctorate or they find out then they they get why it's such a complicated complex aspect and there's always not always often there is resistance uh, to it and I always try and move into a space and this is it's about buying so you mentioned tendering from the very beginning even with my my children they'd ask me mommy what do you do and you know say, oh i'm in procurement and they'd still look at me like what is that and i then began to say you know what your mother does she buys stuff for other people and then also then it, it makes them more interested in trying to understand it and wanting to then how do we then buy this bread more effectively and efficiently and that's how i tried and just take out the the frills in in terms of the procurement and supply chain what is the impact at that level for business that you would want to try to, to attain when you work with them so when i move into a business for me the core is i i'm very interested in supply chain optimization and how does your supply chain empower your business to achieve the goals that you have So when I walk into an organization and they ask me you know what value are you bringing what are you going to do I only say that I'm going to optimize your supply chain and see that it brings you value um to your organization and that's what I try and bring to organizations and that in itself is a form of empowerment because I'm also sharing with them in terms of how do you empower your supply chain to deliver value for you in the long term and i i always look to do that and and that's what i enjoy doing whether it's a manufacturing facility whether it's a mining operation whether it is a non-profit whether it's an institution an educational institution it's on about how do you optimize that supply chain and i always look in terms of the full value chain and say how do we add value so when you into that word value i is a keyword but let me ask you to if you can tell me briefly i know you're quite well versed but what are the key areas of value that you like to offer people for so what i'm thinking about is it are you into more processes are you into costs are you into supply development what is it that you you could quickly say this is uh, what i can do and maybe a form of a kpi that you really say you know I'd, as soon as I, i get there i can do one two So what is important to me is sustainability of your supply chain. When I talk about sustainability of your supply chain is because I want to give you a supply chain that is optimized and is optimized in different areas. So I would look at one it could it would be your costs. I would look at to your operations how are you doing that more efficiently. Thirdly how are you doing it in terms of you are empowering the people that are within that um, organization within that supply chain and then as a final aspect to taking all those three areas and ensuring that whatever you do 
you are doing it for the long term. And, and that's why I bring in the aspects also of sustainability, that you don't want to come in and say, I'm simply going to cut costs here and it, and it works and you, and you have great business that runs for a year. And then after that year, you're no longer making that money. Your costs, you cut them to the bone. It's not effective, etc. So it's, it's looking to say that what do you bring in that makes it last for, for the long term? And that's the sustainability aspect of it as a final bit. Thank you for that. So since you, you have been in the industry, we, 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 we are aware that, you know, probably since the year 2000, yeah, the world has been moving faster and changing very, very rapidly. And of course, with that comes a, a new opportunities and challenges. But what would you say is the biggest challenge that you have with your specific role right now, or maybe a role that you had previously? And how did you go about overcoming it? So I think one of the, the challenges that we are seeing within this space is our slow ability to adopt and our slow ability to advance. And I'm talking to as us within the profession. So I would say that within supply chain, in terms of adopting technology, we are very slow and we are not using it as an enabler for what we do. We simply say we have a supply chain process and we try and slap on technology on top of that and say that, okay, now we have a digitalized supply chain. So I think one challenge that, that we do have is just, we're just slow to adopt. The second why I'm also saying slow to adopt is also in the skills area. So supply chain, it, it's a profession and there are skills that you need to have. Whereas we are very slow to adopt to say that how do we begin to develop these skills and have even those very KPIs to know that when you talk to, to say that you're a supply chain professional, what does that mean? So we're very slow, like you look in the the accounting profession, they have very specific uh, areas in terms of their growth and development and KPIs on skills where you are able to measure a, a person who's in the, the finance stream. And supply chain, we just haven't done that. So we're slow to adopt in terms of skills, we're slow to adopt in terms of technology. And I think and for us, that is one of the biggest challenges that, that we face is just that we we we... we we're almost like moving through trickle or through coffee in terms of moving. And the third thing that I think it's a biggest challenge that we have is that we as supply chain and professionals, we, we forget that we are the heartbeat of a full value chain. So we will come in and try and address one certain lever within an organization and not always look in terms of the upstream and the downstream. What does what we do impact? both sides and, and take more of a bigger, a bigger focus, a, a larger vision view of what we do, because we are at the heart of, of any organization. Mm. Well, what you said is, uh, you said quite a lot. And I, I, I think let me say, let me start by, by talking to the, the point about learning and adopting change. From my experience, I, I feel like I'm heartbroken as to why we don't have as many people trying to learn to upskill, particularly the, the non-procurement people. 
was I think the idea over the years was that we're going to delegate, you know, the the kind of low level stuff to the users and then we deal with the you know the big stuff, the the more strategic ones. If we have so many tools to learn, the digital spaces allowed virtually anyone who just wants to learn to learn. And you can learn in text, audio and a visual, you know. So there are so many ways of learning. And therefore, when, when we are not learning, when people are not learning, then it, it can only be heartbreaking because the opportunity to learn has been never been so, so open, you know, at, at any time in the, in the history of the world. So yeah, it, it, it is something that we need to work on. For me, I'm hoping that artificial intelligence comes in and then checks up quite a lot of tasks that, um, we are saying are not yet being done properly. And therefore we kind of reduce that need of having to train everyone since when we're not moving as fast. So I am in my mind, uh, at, uh, you know, artificial intelligence definitely will cut off a bit of work that we need to do. It, 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 it's, it's more like, um, uh, let's say financial, uh, 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 literacy, financial literacy. Now the banking apps, they, they are taking money away from your account and putting it in a saving account. And they, they are, they are helping you do these things because, you know, as people, we, we, we fail to have proper financial learning that is required, but artificial intelligence comes in and every end of the week, they put something, you know, from, from your check account and interest into your, your saving account. So I'm just saying, I believe. When we, when we have a big gap in terms of learning, I'm hoping that artificial intelligence will just uh, help us to, to get to another level of, of, of performance without having to struggle with the transfer of some of the skills. I, no, definitely, I definitely agree with you there, Simba, in terms of that. But I always like to caution people that when you talk about artificial intelligence, when you talk about technology, it's important to know where we operate and we operate in Africa. So we need to ensure that we adopt technology that is right for us. And we, even within the supply chain space, we need to ensure that we adopt technology that is right for supply chain in Africa. And, and, and that's what we need to, to be cautious of. But I absolutely agree with you that AI can remove those tedious administrative tasks. It also helps us in when we remove those tedious tasks, it also helps to remove that, that the, the human sector that, that we don't like within the procurement supply chain in terms of ethics and aspects. That. So it can also help in that area that making us more accountable. True, true, true. I, I hear you there. Um, let me go on to ask you. So, from the time that you you started um, your career and now, what are the few things that you can say? This is is become more challenging than you expected in terms of your work. What is the one area that you can say, you know what, I thought this was going to be easy like this or it was going to be like this. But when I actually went into that space, 
then uh, I see that it's more challenging than, than it looked. So I think when I first started in, in, in actual procurement, I actually thought that procurement is just about buying X or Y, buying a good or a service. And, and that's where it was at. But what I've realized that it's becoming more challenging is that it's more about the full value chain. So when I look now from when I started, I was simply, uh, I was simply buying. But now I'm more into actually buying and selling. So I, I'm looking in terms of the full value chain and whatever that I'm buying, the end product, what happens to that? And I've seen that I'm more involved in both aspects of the buy and sell. I may be selling the byproduct of whatever I bought. And that has become, I've noticed that it's made a procurement a lot more challenging and a lot more complex than simply walking in to buy that bread. Mm, true, true, true. Buying and selling, I think that is basically a supply chain, you know, end to end. So... I, I think you should be enjoying that part of your of your week when you're able to see where it is going to all end, you know, so it's always fine. What has been uh, the one tool that you always carry in your toolbox, no matter what project you are working on? I, I think when I, when you talk about the one tool, for me, that what I bring in is analytical thinking. So when I walk into an organization or I walk into a project, it's that analytical thinking of the business overall, even before I move into that supply chain space. And I also encourage the people within the, let's say the procurement department, I only say take a step back and let's analyze what business are we in. And before we then start talking about what is the value that we can bring. So for me, it's that analytical thinking understanding the bigger picture before drilling down. And I try and ensure that it's something that, that I bring in and then something that I instill in the people who work in the department, because that's something that you can take anywhere you go. A, a follow-up question on that. As a person, how long did it take for you to, to know yourself in that sense of, right, I'm a creative person, I'm an analytical person, how long does it take for a person to read? Like you out, how long did it take for you to know that, okay, this is Ayanda and this is what I bring to any situation. This is who I am. How long does that, that take? Or is there any particular experience that you have to go through to get to that uh, uh, level? I, I ask this because the people are now talking about um, emotional intelligence and so forth. And then the other skills that you require to to be uh, value adding in any environment. And I, and I suppose the first thing that you, you, you need to know is yourself and what you can do. Therefore, now you can see how you fit within any environment, any situation. So how long does it take for a person to just say, you know what, this is, I'm like this and this is what I can do? <laughs> I think for me, I'll say I'm a slow learner. So, <laughs> so I wouldn't consider myself the benchmark. It's taken me uh, many, many years to, to understand that, that that is how I think. And, and when I walk into organizations, that is, that, is my, that is the core of me. And it's not 
just me understanding it. There's also been people who've told me this. They say that you have, you know, when they engage with me, they repeatedly told me that you're very analytical. It's been, it's years and I believe that it's a journey that it may be in 10 years, I might be something very different because it's just part of, it becomes part of your journey in the development of self. What is something about your industry that is surprised you? I think what has surprised, not necessarily surprised me, but what I think about a lot lately is the importance in our industry of aspects of self-leadership within, within organizations and within teams. And why I say that is that as you, we've studied, we've, we've been trained on how to negotiate effectively, negotiation tactics. We've been trained on strategic sourcing, how to source effectively. We've been trained on total cost of ownership. And we've been trained on a lot of technical aspects within our industry in trying to upskill ourselves. But the areas that I feel that we haven't been, uh, we haven't focused on as an industry are those soft skills. It's those, those, those skills that you spoke about earlier, but also aspects of, and I'm going to be specific on leadership, where we talk about what is supply chain leadership and training on that. Because I've seen that that is something that we lack within our industry in terms of understanding what is leadership. And leadership is not somebody, it's not the CPO, it's that buyer. How do I'm a buyer and I'm leading a team? How do I lead my small teams? How do I lead self within supply chain? Because that's where you get the core of somebody. You get the visionary thinking of somebody and also where you get aspects of what do, how do I behave when people are not watching? How do I lead myself and how do I behave as a leader? And I feel that it's something that as I'm walking into different organizations and engaging with people because they come to me and say, come in and please help us on supply chain optimization and focus on aspects in terms of the business. But then I've seen that you have People who need to run those supply chains, run those processes that, that don't have that, I'm going to call it technical leadership skills. And, and that is something that I think that it has not surprised me, but it has really been something that I've been noticing and it's been on my mind a lot more. To what extent are not being empowered to take action and to lead, or it is there is this space, but no one is taking up that space. So what I have seen is that we are not empowering our buyers and we are not trusting our buyers. Now the empowerment comes in, in, in the sense that it might be from the training so that they understand what is buying, but also understand and understand the policies and the processes so that they can effectively buy. We do not trust our buyers because when you look at the buy a buyer, we're saying, oh, this person is going to try and take the money and you do not trust them. And then there's that whole cycle that happens because you don't trust me, you don't empower me, I'm not going to deliver. And so for me, it, it, when you talk about the leadership day, it's leadership at that level. Empower them so that they can know about self-leadership within the supply chain space. And that's when you're going to get that kind of optimization that's where you're going to get that kind of empowerment of the individual 
who's having to deal with, particularly in the state, we have buyers who are dealing with millions and millions of rents. We need to ensure that they have leadership skills, they are empowered, and they are trusted. Mm. No, thank you for that eye opener. It, it, it's as you are within this industry for for a lot of years. Do you have anyone who has been in a, a mentor uh, to you and a role model to you? An answer that I also wanted to say something about the the, the leadership. Leadership also comes with accountability. So when you are empowering and and saying talking about those those the buyer, yes, they are trusted, but you also they must also be accountable. Yes, also I wanted to add. Yes, I think in, interestingly in my journey because it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey that I've had. When you talk about people who have uh, motivated me, inspired me. There are really a number of, uh, of people that have done so, whether it's in the academia space, there would be people there. But I think I always go back to when I started because it, it talks about a journey that I think a lot of us in the space have, have taken. There's a, when I started and I said I was in empowerment, I had a bachelor's degree, a bachelor of arts degree, nothing commercial. And... The, the manager of the section where, where I joined actually took a big chance with me because I didn't know anything about training, facilitating. I didn't know anything about procurement. And they said, come in and I'm starting this uh, Black Economic Empowerment Department at one of the largest state-owned entities in South Africa. And I want you to, to design programs and, you know, assist people outside the organization on how to tender, train them, except In fact, the, 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 I, I got a blank canvas. Make sure that we get more, empower more supplies into the fold. How you do that, you figure it out. And for me, and, and, and later on, about a year or two later, I asked them as to why did you hire me? And, and one thing they said is that, you know, Ayanda, you, when you look for people to, to join an organization and in the procurement, supply chain, you need to look. You, I'm not looking for someone who knows about supply chain. I'm looking for someone with the aptitude to learn and the desire to learn. And the degree that you have is immaterial. It only tells me that you're able to finish something that you started. So I don't care what degree you have or anybody has, but if they've got a degree, then I know that they have the aptitude. That has stayed with me throughout my life. So even when I look to hire people, I am not interested in what degree they have. I maybe ask them, do you have a degree? They'll say yes. And all it tells me is that they can finish what they started. And in supply chain, that's important. You need to be able to understand the process stick with the process and complete it because the end user wants whatever it is they want. And you need to know how to navigate that. And, and that has stayed with me throughout uh, my, my supply chain life. And it's also taught me that you also need to give people an opportunity because that's what they're looking for. There are so many people who 
could have been MCs or doctors or different things, but because of relationships, is it more of the person that you would be having that then is able to support you to achieve that or for you to fail to, to achieve that? I believe it's very difficult for women to study, to have jobs and to have families. And it's unfortunately quite common that they call, you know, they call the MBA the what is it? The divorce qualification. If you're doing an MBA, it's it's your it's your journey to to divorce. I I think that, and whether it's male or female, that's the the thinking. I remember when I was doing it, this is what they used to say. But for women, it's extremely hard. So I'm gonna I'll share with you my journey uh, in terms of that and and how I was able to do it. So when I was doing my MBA. Uh, my MBL, the, the final year, I actually was pregnant with my second child and had that child during the journey, if I could put it that way. And it's very difficult because you are trying to work for the family. You are trying to look after the family. You're trying to study because you want to empower yourself. And you find that it's, you, you almost have to be a little bit selfish because you want to empower yourself. And you'll find that a lot of women, they do not get the support of their partners to empower themselves. And it's difficult. So what I used to do is I used to um, actually wake up at two in the morning because that's the only time I would find my own quiet time. So I would study between two and four o'clock, sometimes five o'clock, or between one a.m. and five, depending on if there were exams, etc. And that was the time I used to study. And then obviously five, six o'clock, it's time for the children wake up, the house wakes up, and you must get ready, etc. And it's not easy. It's it's really not easy. And it, for me, it pains my heart because I see so many uh, women who. It's difficult. It's really very difficult if you don't have the support to do so. Yeah. Also, you are perceived as being very selfish. Like, why would she be wanting to study some more and not focusing on the family and stuff like that? And, and, and a lot of them either decide, let me just leave it because it's, it's just a battle that you, you're constantly having um, at work. And then you get to work and you still have to perform even more than your male counterparts. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. It, in my lecturing and, and supervision, I'll tell you now, if it, sometimes the guys in the class complain, because I tell them, guys, I have a bias. My bias is women. Uh, and you'll find that I'll even maybe spend a bit more time assisting some of the ladies who come. The ladies come to me, not late, but anyone can come to me and ask me to help them. But I'll, I'll actually spend a bit more time so with the women because it's it's hard it's hard Simba as you go higher you have to apply yourself I had a very supportive uh, syndicate group uh, and it was mainly guys I was one other lady and we used to rotate when we used to meet like in different houses and then once I had my 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 daughter then they they said they will come to my place and we'd study because we'd meet on Saturdays so they agreed, no, so that I don't have to go out. They would come to, the, to, to my place 
And they'd actually even say, okay, when is the baby up or sleeping? That it will come, you know, within those times. They, they allowed me to breastfeed. <laughs> um, I had a very supportive syndicate group when I did my MBA. I, I do think that, like you're saying, it, it applies somehow to both um, male and female, although we know that, you know, it's a bit uh, more on the ladies. What would you wish you'd known before you started your career in procurement? I, I think that's an interesting question. I think what I wish I had known was about procurement. Because when I started my, my career, I didn't even know there was a, a profession called procurement. I'd never heard of it until I went for the interview and then had to learn about what is procurement. So I wish that I had, I had known about it. And I wish that even in high school, it had been something that had been spoken about. Not only wishing or for myself, but because I feel that that is how we can bring more people into the profession. Because I think I am not alone in not knowing about uh, procurement. And what I also wish I had known then was, because it took me some time to realize it, is the impact procurement has within a business instead of just thinking that i'm going to work in the back office uh, buying bread for the organization but to understand that when i buy that bread i'm that bread is feeding the whole company and the impact it has if i had known about it in the beginning it had been sold as the the backbone of any business i think we would have brought more people in and i think i probably would have Studied it at university. <laughs> if if one looks at um, America, for example, you have your Peter Krawczyk, your Porter. They wrote their books, their papers in the eighties, in the nineties. So I think for it to spread everywhere, to really appreciate the importance of it, I think we are not too behind in that sense because as a profession, I think it started to take quite center stage as those. Uh, professors writing more about the value that, that procurement can bring. Mm. Yes, so now people know about it, but I didn't. <laughs> when I started, well, maybe I'm revealing my age. If someone wants to, to be like you, um, what advice would you give them to say they are... The one advice that I would give someone, look at the commercial aspects of the business. And not only to solely focus on procurement or negotiations or strategic sourcing or logistics, but to actually get a base on the business, what makes businesses tick and where are the levers that you can learn how to identify the levers where you can add value. And then once you have that base, then to focus on where you want to become an expert. Because also when you look at supply chain, when you look at procurement, there are a lot of areas that you can become an expert. So for me, I'd say before you zone in on becoming an expert, understand the bigger picture and learn the bigger picture. I think my, the MBA that I, I studied was useful because then I know what HR is and what makes, what they need to do, what, what, you know, and when I then now need to procure for people within HR, I have a better understanding of, of what it, what they need to do. So 
I think in summary would be to say that get a broader understanding and then decide where you want to focus. And when you want to focus, focus. So if you want to do enterprise supply development, focus on that. If you want to do logistics, focus on logistics. But only once you have a broader understanding of business analytics and, and those areas. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually speak it to a, a very big group because for me, I, when I see people with interests in supply chain and procurement, but maybe they're in IT or they did an IT degree or then I, I try to, I, I, I always say to them, I wish I was like you because you, you, you already have one business area that you are familiar with, that you're an expert in. And then now when you actually train in procurement, you then become a very skilled person because you are able to, to link the business, as you were saying, the business area that you already know about that you're an expert in. And then you add that to procurement. Now you can be a, quite a, an advanced category manager because you're able to give us more value. Was when we'll say to someone who is in procurement, let's do a sourcing for, for IT, right? For a software. There's a lot of learning that needs to happen. Or if not learning, then you have to be really good at, at people uh, management so that you can get the, the technical know-how and how it works for the organization from the team to produce a good sourcing event. When you're, when you're able to combine your previous learning from with any other area, it then becomes quite uh, amazing because you, you are both technical and you have a commercial angle to it. So it's actually, I think it's many people who are trying to move from engineering and they want to go into this supply chain. The next question would be, what are the three skills that would be useful for someone in procurement today? I, I think the, the one skill is that analytical thinking. The, the ability to, to analyze, to, to, to join dots, to look for solutions, find solutions, see if I touch something here, how does it affect the value chain further down? So analytical thinking, I think, is, is critical in, in terms of a skill set that a procurement professional must have. I, I think the other skill set, and I'm using the word skill set very loosely, is leadership capability. And like I said before, not leadership that you, you know, must be able to vision of the organization, but also internal leadership is a skill set. Self-leadership is, is really important. And I think thirdly, in this new era, procurement professionals need to understand technology because it affects everything that we do. It affects the organization. And as we move into more global procurement, technology is important. And I think that every procurement professional must, must understand technology, not to become a CIO or the chief technology officer of an organization, but to understand what is technology and how it works for me as the buyer of the plate. If it's demand forecasting, forecasting, sourcing events, 
the logistics, but to understand technology. So I'd say analytical thinking, leadership, technology. Every day we're getting something new, every other day. But there are one or two areas of innovation that, from your perspective as a practitioner, that you can say, I would say you try and, and learn a bit more about blockchain or Internet of Things. So when I was talking about a general skill, it was technology. So I, I would say in prof procurement professionals need to understand the broader aspects of technology and, and, and then not become experts at it, but to know that I need to speak to, if I want something, I need to speak to somebody who is an expert on AI. Or if I need X, I need to speak to a person who's an expert in something else. They need to understand technology in general. Okay. But, but, but for me, what I find it really important, procurement is about data. And you need to have the right data to be also to help you in terms of the decisions that you're going to make uh, going forward. Because what we do in procurement is forward thinking in the sense that it's going to have an impact for maybe two to three to four years. So you need to be a bit of a, a wizard, if I can put it that way, to be able to know what you do today, what's going to happen, what's going to happen to the, the price of Brent crude in five years if I'm buying coal or whatever it is. And so data, so be, you know, being able to understand that how does technology work with data to then inform your decision as a procurement person. And that's one of the aspects of, of technology that you need to, to understand. And there are data analysts that are there. The, and technology can help you. And that will be just one example. Thank you for that. You're talking about analyzing data for decision making. Being able to analyze data would be quite a useful thing for you to mm. implement a, a lot of changes that are required. You know, absolutely. I mean, I'm even thinking, uh, one time we were sitting in a, a session on risk management and there was issues in terms of theft or uh, in terms of pro product that we were so we've been sourcing in our, there's part of our full value chain. And there again, we were sitting and saying, we are worried about hiring security to go and follow the, the, the value chain, to follow the product. And we're worried about, as, and I said, but Technology can help us. We can then see where are the high risk areas, where to focus on. So it's, it, it's as a procurement person, we, we just need to, we need to understand and embrace technology because it's going to help us in every aspect of the supply chain. If I want to be present, there's in presence within an organization, what can I do to, to develop that part of me as a, something which is a social and not really a hard skill, as you can say. I think when I brought the leadership in, I was actually wanting us to step away from the procurement aspect because we focus a lot on that. And so when I talk about leadership, one of the first things to start with is self-awareness. Understand who you are, what your skill set, and also where you need to improve. And leader is somebody who's able to recognize that in this particular area, I'm not an expert but to then be able to identify that and identify that expert and, and to be able to do whatever it is they are. So I think self-awareness 
uh, is one of the, the, the first things um, that you need to learn and, and, and understand when you talk about leadership. Because also in leadership, if I use a, a very uh, basic, if you're, if you're self-aware and you are aware that one of your higher values, it could be perhaps it's, it's money. Like you, you value money very highly and you, you recognize that in, your, in yourself that you, you, you have very loose boundaries in attaining that. Okay. Then you know that you should not be putting yourself in a procurement position where you are going to be buying high value stuff and then loopholes in that because you are self-aware and you remove yourself from those kind of situations. I'm using a very raw example, you know, of, of, I think it's, it's a quite a, a good, a good example. Actually, it was a to, to reflection, even many more possible scenarios, uh, coming from that kind of outline, which you gave uh, on that example. If you're, if you know that in the aspects of boundaries, maybe you, you're in yourself, understanding yourself, you are unable to set boundaries. Procurement is about processes and policies and their boundaries. And if you know that you are unable to do so, you need to recognize it and put things in place that will ensure that where you are unable to keep those boundaries, those boundaries remain. And it could be because in procurement, we are pressured. We have, we have your senior people who may be pressuring that buyer who's unable to set boundaries, but they don't even know that because they are not self-aware. So self-awareness is one of the first things when I talk about leadership and I'm using procurement examples and that is where you need to start and then have the confidence to be able to identify where you need assistance. Mm. Thank you for that. Uh, perhaps as you work uh, within the consulting space and even in education and training, when you look at, when you look at your team, how do you go about Assessing performance. How do you go about evaluating your team performance? And yeah, how do you go about doing that? How do you, how do you measure the performance as a team or as individuals? What is important for you? So in, in measuring, um, within organizations, all most organizations have KPIs that they have, and you have your HR compacts, etc. those remain in place. For me, the, a big aspect that is often not in those KPIs and that is important to me is accountability. So, and I measure it in different ways. I measure it in observing how my team members interact, take responsibility and accountability for their actions. So it could be in a sourcing event. Yes, you have a KPI that says that the written KPI would be that we need to ensure that a tender process takes two, two months for delivery and it, and we have to have 80% a success rate in terms of that. That is a paper hard driven KPI. Yes, I will measure the person in terms of that, but I'll also measure that where it, you did not succeed. How accountable are you for that lack of success? And measure that individual in terms of the, if that individual said, well, it's not my fault. Because, and there's, like, there's no accountability for that. Also, where it was successful, how much accountability do they 
ascribe to themselves and to the team. Because the team also needs to be accountable for the success and the failures of whatever KPI that is. So for me, a, a sort of skill that I always measure is the accountability a matrix, if I can put it that way. Because also, when we have people who are accountable, it also links to that leadership, it links to delivery, it links to, it, it, it links to a lot of things as well. So for me, a big thing is, that, is an accountability matrix. Thank you. Thank you for that insight. You have mentioned that you are an FSIPS, a fellow of the Institute. So my question to you is, what are the resources that you propose people can use to continuously learn and stay on top? So I'm a researcher. So I do a lot of reading in different areas. So that is a, a resource that's there. And you will find that some people may be studying and not utilizing the, the, the libraries from whatever institution they are linked to. And it, may, it might be that you maybe they are studying part-time their honors or something like that, and so they've got a, a good student number. But to utilize the library, because there are a lot of electronic resources that are available, that's one. But the other aspect is actually, I used to hate it when my high school teacher used to tell me to read the newspaper. Because I used to think, well, I mean, it's boring. But nowadays, with everything going online, to be reading what is happening in the news, it helps you when you then go for an interview. There was a time when there was a ship that had in the, I think the Suez Canal, yeah. over, and that was in the news. But to read that, so that when you then go into an interview for a logistics position, you're able to then use those kind of examples so that, well, in the example where there was a ship in terms of the Suez Canal, it had a big impact in terms of the logistics network and getting things across the world. It had an impact. And now you are au fait with an event that has happened, but then you bring it into your interview and into your logistics interview. And then you say how that impacted the supply chains, uh, across Africa. So what I'm trying to say is to read the news, but to read the, the, the news in and understanding its impact in an organization in supply chain. It could be another aspect is LinkedIn. LinkedIn learning, they have these uh, 10, 15 minute video clips that you can actually, you know, watch. Sometimes you can, you get subscription. I shouldn't say this, but sometimes you can get a free subscription for a month or two. You subscribe and then uh, you decide you're not going to go ahead, but you get as much information. There are a lot of podcasts that are also out there that are very informative. I mean, you have this particular podcast um, where there are a lot of people in the space who've done podcasts about specific aspects of supply chain. These are uh, freely and readily available. That's also another source of information that is free. So there's really is a lot of areas to find information. We have journals that I spoke about libraries, but there are some journals that have decided to become open access. So you can actually read, get information from journals. And I'm talking academic journals that are open access. So there's a lot of ways that you can still continue to inform yourself without having to pay high prices for subscriptions. 
yes thank you very much for for that overview absolutely and i think that the newspapers have now turned into podcasts so when i say that nowadays people want to listen instead of reading and and that's a way to gain knowledge it's amazing what is out there it's amazing what is out there my question is to say all this knowledge where are we going to be able to find it do you have a, a website do you where can you find this knowledge that we have or wherever you speak so that we can follow and then see what you're saying as we go so i have a, a passion for knowledge management and knowledge sharing my mother was i think in our days you call them a historian and so i grew up appreciating his history my mother was a very passionate african so i grew up appreciating african history and and so it and it just just moved into knowledge so one of the things that i do is i write i write ac- mainly academic uh, journals academic writing for journals to be able to share a uh, knowledge that is i say is out there but it's just not been put in black and white my mother comes through in me because i write about african supply chain uh, challenges and solutions in terms of from the, on the academic front which has then now also led me to then say that i meet a lot of people similar to myself a lot of experts in supply chain and i then decided that i want to then really just curate a uh, a uh, pieces and i'm calling it curating in terms of uh, pieces of knowledge into a book which is on case studies on supply chain and african perspective where there are different experts who are sharing this the knowledge that they have and putting it down in black and white so that we can learn from each other and the people who follow us can also learn and also for the world to know that we actually know what we are doing and we've got something to share so so those are the d- different ways that i try and share uh, share knowledge out there because i have a passion that it, 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 we must write about it and we must tell our stories i also then tell it also when i do lectures and i share you know and i bring people in guest lecturers to come in to share the knowledge so that's that's where i do that I also have a website which is my name my surname.com so www.andanjanga.andanjanga.com sorry oh let me say that again because you need to edit it www.andanjanga.com where I also share writing and and information there but really for me I think the the the, the most recent aspect is is this book on case studies in supply chain and an african perspective you yeah, thank you a uh, uh, very much you know, for those insights that you've shared i think with the one the the book that you're referring to it, it should be quite interesting and i, I was i was having a, a, um, a meeting with another procurement executive in nigeria and as he narrated the story he talked about the, the localization drive 
you know, sometime in the nineties, where the companies were in oil and gas, they took me domiciled within that space and we were trying to do, so in my mind, I'm like, do we know anything about that? And we are supposedly trying to implement localization, industrialization. One of the lessons, like within Africa itself, this country has tried APCT and just take that and see how we can use that to uh, further our own solutions you know, around these things. I believe that there's more uh, information and knowledge that is out there, which relates to the problems that we are facing today, but we, we, we are not aware of those uh, solutions. Absolutely. I mean, when I uh, teach at the business schools and we talk about enterprise supply development, and now I look for case studies to share with the students. I will then get a case study of enterprise supply development that was done. And for me, that is what we need to be st start to be doing. We should be having those case studies so that when I'm teaching it here in South Africa, providing case studies, I say here in Nigeria, this particular, even province in Nigeria, they did localization. It was successful. It was not successful. This is why. But we need to share our stories within the supply chain space. We've all tried different things. So let us share it so that we can uh, enhance knowledge. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. So we, we, we want to see you up there so that we can all come at the top with you. Definitely. In fact, I should not be alone. Everybody must be with me um, because the success is only when we are at the same level and achieving greatest so looking forward to hearing from you again maybe season two but many thank you so much Simba thank you for listening to this episode if you haven't already would love for you to follow us on social media Facebook Twitter LinkedIn, so that we can share with you the latest updates in the news. We also would like to hear from you, your comments and feedback. Until next time, I'm your host Simba. Meet me at the top.